Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, today's guest is Savina, Safina Herji. Did I say that right? You did. Well, thank you. Alhamdulillah. This is going to be a different type of podcast when we're talking about educational consultants. You know, normally people come on and they mostly talk about ed tech or online learning, but this is mindfulness, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is different. And I wanted to bring Safina on, you know, when you go to the website and you see it is very calming and the photos are, and you read about it, you go, Hmm, I want to know more about this. Cause this, again, this is, this is nothing that you really talk about in air programs and for sure on the workplace. Uh, we don't talk about that either. Uh, so for those who will be listening uh, to this podcast on Apple podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Simplecast and Spotify. Will you please introduce yourself, Safina? Yes. Um, so I am an educator and I have been teaching for 21 years um, in the field of education. I've been a French teacher, a t- department head. I've also um, been a curriculum consultant for the York Region District School Board in the areas of FSL and well-being. Um, and uh, I recently just launched um, Stillness Hub, which is an endeavor, as you, um, as you stated, which uh, hopes to bring mindfulness into the classrooms. Um, that's my main aim. Uh, but as a result of that, you know, we've had, I've had so many people come to me asking about, hey, you know, can I do mindfulness, you know, as a woman, as a parent, as a man, you know, um, and certainly it's, it's for everyone. So um, the key is that we really, really hope to infuse this in classrooms all over the world because this is something that we are all in dire need of right now. Excellent. So how did you find yourself in education? You know, I, I asked my wife the other night, you know, when did you know, how did you become a teacher? When, when, you, when do you know about that? And she told me she used to play school with her younger brother. So she's always wanted to be a teacher. So how did you find yourself in education, a teacher, and what did you want to be when you wanted to, when you were growing up? Well, it was interesting. Uh, well, uh, you know, I don't think I had that vision of being a teacher like your wife did early on. Um, my vision was I wanted to be a lawyer, and I was quite staunch on that. Um, and maybe that came a little bit from my upbringing, my parents, you know, societal expectations. Um, but it's something that did, you know, eventually evolve. And it was a little bit by default because, um, honestly, I flunked out of law school. Um, I wrote the LSAT about four times. I, it was one of those things where I was really um, resisting, you know, what the, what the way was showing me. And uh, finally, I just kind of said, well, maybe I should teach because it was something that came naturally. I always ended up teaching, you know, somewhere, somehow. I'd, I'd help my siblings or help my friends. And um, I think it was just sort of a little bit by default and then uh, just an understanding that, hey, I think I got this and I think I know how to do this almost naturally, you know, like a natural talent. I hear you, you weren't rejected, you were redirected. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
So you are the founder of Stillness Hub. Yes. What is the story behind starting your company and what services do you offer? So the story behind starting my company was the impetus was really about um, offering what I had learned to the world and specifically in schools. Um, when I was working at the board offices uh, on the well-being team, you know, we noticed that there has been such a heightened um, I guess, uh, anxiety amongst students, stress, you know, even amongst teachers. And um, it's something that really needs to be addressed. Suicide rates amongst students, you know, we just heard the other day that, that a student in Peel committed suicide in grade 12. You know, those have, have, you know, just been brought to our awareness a little bit more. And there is a heightened anxiety. And uh, it's something that we need to start looking at addressing um, because there are high, high expectations of us as teachers, as students, and sometimes it comes from community, from parents, um, social media, you know, the internet. So for me, it was really, really important to start to um, find strategies and share strategies with others, which would positively impact their mental health or mental well-being, um, because this has all come to the forefront in, in so many ways now. Um, and it's time that we nip it in the bud. I think we have to start preventative measures. We cannot just, you know, treat symptoms at the end or, you know, there aren't enough mental health caregivers out there. There, there just aren't. So why not take a preemptive, proactive approach to this and bring it into schools? Mm -hmm. So this is the second time you brought up a, a well-being department or unit. Mm -hmm. Now I'm in the United States and I've yes. never heard of a well-being <laughs> department. What, what is that? Well, it was essentially a team of, of teachers, of consultants at the board offices who decided and based again on the board's direction, um, the director's direction, that well-being should be a focus um, because obviously there has been a need in schools to address well-being. And it's, this comes from our Ministry of Ontario, you know, our government documents um, where well, the well-being strategy is being rolled out and integrated into all the courses now. There's also a resiliency course, if you can imagine that at the school that I'm at right now, which is fantastic. And um, so, uh, so much focus is being put into this area. And it's, it's a real key area right now to get, get some work done, to help teachers get to speed, to um, give them some strategies to work with students in their classrooms so that we are all happier mm. in these places and spaces that we occupy. And that's interesting there you bring up resilience. Now, because when I was a kid, it was, I don't know, it was just a, a part of life, but we were not raised like some kids now. And I'm speaking from the United States where you're on a team, everybody get a trophy. It's not about, you know, the winning team gets the trophy. Every, you know, everyone gets one or your race or weight. I remember my father teaching me how to ride a bike and I hit a car and fell to the ground. Now I'm up here hurt. And he just looked at me and said, get up and try again. Uh, and I was, okay. Uh, because I don't know if he was a man of his time or he was just trying to teach me a lesson of when you get knocked down, you get back up. I have no idea what went through his mind. But kids have been raised a little different Yes. now. And, and, and with society being what it is and there's more competition, whether it's being as a school in the workplace, it seems like kids are having 
a different time navigating adolescence than let's say during my time. And it's a trying time for kids. Um, the pressures are immense. The access to the internet, you know, the, the ability to fit in into their social circles, online bullying, cyberbullying, um, information overload, right? Um, all of these things are factors. Um, and sensitivity, right? Are we, we're much more sensitive and we're much more aware than we used to be. And I'm sure when your dad, when you fell down and, you know, you hurt yourself, I mean, just think about how you could have felt in that moment. And I think you expressed it a little bit that, you know, whoa, how, why is my dad not caring about me? in this moment you know why is it that I just need to get up and dust off and that could have had a long-term impact on you you know and you may not be aware of it you may not have realized it whereas now we're becoming much more aware even as parents of what our actions are our reactions are for our kids you know and and where is that sensitivity factor where's the love because you know as soon as my my child falls I'm gonna feel it I'm gonna feel it no matter what why not express what we feel you know, why is it that we have to hide that um, to man up or, you know, so I think it's important to express, but then, you know, to also show the steps on uh, how do we then deal with that and what are our next steps to, to rebuild. So what is mindfulness? Now, some people, when they hear the term, they may, you know, think of, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Crystals and incense and people burning sage in the room. Um, so what is it and how did you come across the practice of mindfulness? So for me, mindfulness embodies a number of things. Um, you know, if you look at a technical definition of it and, you know, some of the, the grandfather of uh, mindfulness will speak to the fact that, you know, it really is present moment awareness of, you know, yourself, others and the environment. And it's really non-judgmental. So um, it's really being self-aware, but also aware of others as well as what's going on around you. So those are all pieces, but you're, but you're actually going to be doing it in a way that's very neutral and very balanced, but and where you're not judging yourself or others. Um, and you're just taking a very neutral stance. Uh, and it really helps us to become our most authentic versions, in my view, because when you're aware of yourself, and you know that there's something that has to change in you, then you can take the steps that you need to take to change that. Um, and, and that is really the crux of it. It always starts from yourself because when you start to change your inner world, you will see that naturally the outer world will also change. Mm. So what resonates with you about being centered, you know, being at that moment and how does the work you do impact the lives of students and teachers? Well, being centered just means you're in your seat of awareness and you are aware of what's going on around you. Um, kids, believe it or not, they're really in tune and they are a lot more conscious and aware than we would expect them to be. And they, they pay attention to even the minutiae of details. So the more that we are aware of you know, how we're reacting to them, how we are behaving, um, how we are personifying something, um, how we're engaging in intellectual thought, intellectual dialogue, in collaboration, in careful reflection, is really going to translate to the way in which that they do it. It's, it's about being it and living it. Um, as soon as they see that, it just automatically, it's like it, they just pick it up. Mm. 
So I want to throw this out there to you. For those individuals that, whether it be a student or a teacher, let's say you're a teacher and you're having just a rough day and your administrator is just saying this and you got a, you had a bad call with a parent and then you have a student that you just roll really just shake, just shake to the <laughs> to hair follicles fall out because you are just so frustrated with them. When they hear about mindfulness, how will the practice of mindfulness sort of get them back off the off the ledge? So I'm going to say instead of shaking the student, you're going to shake yourself, right? Because <laughs> this is a way of kind of saying, okay, let's relieve some of that stress. Let's shake it out. Let's breathe and return to a state of calm and inner calm. You know you yourself might be triggered in that situation. Sometimes it helps to model this because, you know, if you can mention it, you know what? gosh, I've had a really bad day today. You know, a lot of things could have gotten me down. Um, I'm just trying to be really, really calm in this situation. And these are some of the strategies that I'm using in order to do this, right? Like what a great reflection and a step back that that can, can, can be for the teacher as well as, you know, the students in the classroom who are watching this happen. Um, if that means you have to step out of the classroom because, you know, things are getting a little bit hectic and you just have to step right outside your classroom for a moment just to take your breath and or maybe call a colleague, um, go for a walk if you need to. You know, I think some schools have implemented um, something similar that I've read about and, um, and that has helped, you know, if you're, if you're triggered or if you know you need a little bit of a timeout, um, that helps right to reg regulate the amygdala um, but by being more calm by embracing these strategies I think it will help students just automatically understand that wow I can do that too you know when I'm stressed and you know this just today I had a, a young lady in the halls and she was yelling and screaming at you know some other kids she was very triggered and so, um, you know, by me being there in a state of calm, just going up to her, how are you? Are you okay? You know, and just, just being and doing it in a very calm fashion, I think just helps to lessen a little bit of that, you know, triggered emotion, um, the presence, the presence of being there and the energy that you permeate is actually a way to help others to become very calm and mindful as well. Hmm. So take me into to one of your workshops. What can people expect? Well, I think the key is introspection. So if you're ready to face yourself, then definitely sign up, right? Because um, this is really going to take you deeper into yourself. Some people are not ready to face themselves. Some people would prefer not to. And, and so that is a conscious choice, right? Um, it's interesting how we like to blame a lot of things around us. It could be people, it could be things that happen in our lives, events that take place about, you know, the state of mind, our own state of mind, our own state of being. But it's, it's much more difficult to look in within ourselves and see that 
maybe, you know, it could be because of our reaction to certain events that have happened in our lives or our reaction to others. Um, or maybe it could be, you know, something that we're, we're not living to our fullest potential or we're not being authentic about, we're not being truth, truthful to ourselves about. So it's, it's a lot of introspection. You have to be prepared to look at yourself. So um, self-awareness. And then we hope that through that self-awareness we look at the awareness of others that's the second step is how can we become more aware and mindful of the others around us and improve those relationships we have with others how can we be less judgmental more neutral more caring and loving even to towards those who you know may we may think that you know they don't mean well because they have their own journey that they're going through we all do and we're all you know bound by this common thread of humanity and it's what brings us all together so how can we be aware of that and um, lastly you're going to journey into yourself you're going to find out more about yourself and you're going to start living your truth and becoming much more authentic living each moment fully and having a lot more fun in your life because that really is what it's all about is living each moment to the max and you know laughing all the way while you're doing it i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna just assume that when schools are sitting down and they're creating their PD budgets for the year, mm. that mindfulness isn't on the list. <laughs> how do you generate leads and how do you position what you're doing as fulfilling a need within the school system? Well, I think that, you know, it's really about finding the impetus for bringing mindfulness to a school, right? Like, what would the impetus be? And, um, you know, honestly, a lot of schools are struggling. Um, I've talked to so many teachers who have said, you know, kids are breaking down, literally breaking down in their classrooms. They are crying. They're getting emotional over a test. Okay, they have to write a test. And, you know, maybe they're not prepared for it. Um, there's heightened, heightened anxiety. And we're not equipped to deal with all of this. We don't have services that are in place, you know, even to treat students who are going through something like depression um, or, you know, who are having suicidal thoughts or going through bipolar syndrome or whatever it may be, um, you know. And so we really have to start to incorporate this into every class. And um, even if it's once a week as a starting point, it, I think it really should be incorporated. It's, this could be in, in a very intentional way or even more in a sort of implicit way. And that's through uh, the teacher being very mindful, very aware of the students, um, find, you know, looking at that student in the classroom who maybe has their head down and, you know, hey, are you okay? know how how can I help um, you know do you need to talk to someone right because when we're aware we're aware of all the little idiosyncrasies that are happening in a classroom at any given moment and we're in tune with that and that's where that true practice comes in and then you can weave in you can weave in your pedagogy because you know that then you have mindful pedagogy right because now you can start thinking more intentionally about how am I going to teach the kids in front of me in um, a way that engages them based on what I now know of them right it's knowing your learner and weaving pedagogy in I'm actually I've started writing a book on this and so that's a separate issue and I've also started writing a book on um, mindfulness that's specifically geared towards kids and hopefully you know um, one is more for teachers and the other one is actually 
actually for to use in a classroom. So hopefully bringing the resources out that support, you know, mindfulness in the classroom is also going to be key of weaving that into the pedagogy. So what are some of the challenges you have faced when trying to get buy-in from teachers? Well, honestly, readiness is going to be a factor, right? Not everyone is ready to hear about, you know, transcendental meditation and using it in a classroom setting or yoga or anything else, right? I mean, this is where I think there's an intersection of the secular and non-secular worlds a little bit. Um, And mindfulness is, you know, uh, it might be, Um, you know, ruffling a few feathers. You know, I know that I did a presentation yesterday to staff on mindfulness. And, um, you know, overall, there was a great response. But there were certainly a few feathers uh, ruffled, you know, when I mentioned the fact that, for instance, the word spirit is now contained in the new curriculum documents published by the Ministry of Education in Ontario, right? So an interesting, you know, concept that, you know, spirit is now embedded in these documents. And so how are we now going to embed this teaching of the spirit into our a curriculum and, and what we're learning and, uh, and what kids are learning every day. So um, you're not going to get buy-in from everyone, but we are going to start with the people who are ready. And that's the important thing because we do want to have impact across the board. Hmm. So I want to end this podcast by asking you, what is the best piece of advice that you've received from another entrepreneur? And what is your advice for those educators who are interested in becoming consultants? So I think uh, one of the, when I was started to think about my business, um, I went to see a gentleman and the one thing that he told me that really resonated was that, you know, it's really important to have a clear vision of what you want to do that goes beyond profit or numbers or anything else. And that really resonated for me. And for me, I think it's really about universal impact. You know, um, how can we, uh, you know, help students to become their most authentic selves, to be less, um, you know, triggered, less reactive, to be much more calmer, and to find who they truly are, you know, and, and that has to be incorporated into what we're doing. The, the, the research on mindfulness is off the charts. If you look at a lot of the work and the research out there, I've written blog posts about it. Um, we're talking about increased cognition, increased memory, increased focus, better so, uh, personal uh, relationships. So, uh, so and, and it's incredible. So um, how can we start to incorporate these things so that it can make an impact across the, across the globe? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Safina, for coming on the show. My pleasure, Will. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. You are welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. The podcast episode will be going up on SoundCloud. Apple, uh, I'm not in SoundCloud anymore, so I don't know where that came from. Uh, but Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Simplecast, Spotify, and Stitcher. I need you to follow, subscribe share on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever you are. I need you to tell your friends and family about it because your boy's trying to get Oprah on the show. And I <laughs> want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I would like to thank my guest, <laughs> Safina Urgy, for coming on. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. Invest in you. ADU, peace.